Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. Today, we're joined by special guest, Leah Darrow. We're going to talk about personalism, community, and lots of other stuff coming out of our favorite bit of pop culture, The Office. Join us here in a moment on Elevate Ordinary. Welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back with another discussion about, you know, the ordinary bits of everyday life and how we can uh, seize those opportunities for grace, for truth, for beauty that God sends us. Teresa, take it from there. What are we doing today? Well, guys, this is the episode. I'm very excited about this. I knew as soon as we developed our podcast theme, mm. Elevate Ordinary, looking at the ordinary things in our life and the way in which the the world is sacramental and even the tiniest things are elevated into holiness and greatness, I knew that we would have an episode about The Office, <laughs> Yes, which is our favorite. It's our comfort food. Like we hang out after the kids food. go yes. to bed and we've watched it through like a bajillion times. <laughs> and when I thought about having a guest, the first person who came to my mind was Leah Darrow. Leah, welcome. I'm Hello. Thanks for thank thanks for that. I really do appreciate that you would think of me first. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> the there's there's a few reasons. A few few reasons. You're you're just as nerdy, I think, as we are when it comes to the office. Um, and yeah. I'll let you explain that in a little bit. But I just wanted to tell people if you are under a rock in the Catholic world and you don't know who Leah Darrow is, I have your bio. I'm going to read it. Go for it. Go <laughs> Leah for it. Darrow is an international Catholic speaker, author, podcast host, and founder of the Lux Catholic app, the first social Catholic social media app for Catholic women, of which I am a member, <laughs> and I like it very much. Leah received her master's in theology from the Augustine Institute, and she is the wife of a U.S. Army Green Beret and mom to five, six. You've got one gestating yes. there. Yeah, I always have to change my bio, and it's always <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I double checked. Trend. That's right. I double checked today because I was like, "Do we still say three on our original bio that we put yeah. out or whatever?" So, welcome, Leah. What is something that you're really like? What's a project you've got going right now that you're really excited about? Oh God, uh, well, I'm pregnant. So that's a good project. <laughs> um, right. I'm there. I'm there again. I've been I've been there in that space of that project for about seven years. But um, yeah, so pregnant with number six. And then work wise, we are um, we're relaunching our Lux app and we're changing a lot of things within that. Um, so we've been working really, really hard um, with that piece and really just refocusing and realigning. And 2020 has just been an excellent um, an excellent opportunity to have so many of our comforts be stripped um, and not by our own choosing. And so it was really beautiful what it did to this ministry with the Lux Catholic app and what it has now evolving to. So we're, we're, we're working on relaunching it in a much different format. So that's what we've been working on. And kind of the reasons behind that is just basically like 2020 for it's like the hashtag for everybody's reason. <laughs> it seems like for anything that we do, it's like 2020. Yeah. It's just because it's 2020. But it's also it's also provided some very difficult and um, beautiful opportunities for change. So that's where we're at. I'm so excited. I'm excited for it to move over. The other day, I like 
kind of freaked out on the app because I took a t- I took my 2020 time off of social media because I just needed to take a break. And then I came back to Lux and I was like, oh my gosh, they, they've launched a new app and I don't know how to get to it. And it's not on the app store. And I freaked out. And you answered my question, which is the app hasn't launched yet. Calm down. Calm down. Did you see my response? Because I was a little nervous that I offended you. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I, I asked I, you if you were going to throw Toby a going away party with your foot money. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, God. Get into no. the obscure references real quick there. No, all of the obscure off- office references are much appreciated in my life. Um, <laughs> so much appreciated. Like, so I just, I think, I think all of us, as we get into this conversation of, um, faith and humanity. It's a no brainer. If you do watch the office, which I truly believe is one of the best written TV shows ever, um, produced, um, it, it touches on that humanity within all of us. And it touches on that space where we can say these things and (laughs) other people get them because they've had this shared experience. And, um, it's just really beautiful how that happens. So no, 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 no offense taken ever, (laughs) ever when it comes to anything with the office, it's, I'm always just, I love how every, every person who does watch it takes something different. We all have shared experiences. We have shared moments of laughter. We have shared moments when we're really connected to a character or the feeling or the moment or the aggravation (laughs) or the disgust. But there's also the uniqueness um, in each one of us, that unrepeatable uniqueness. It is how we understand or interpret something Mm -hmm. within um, let's just say, you know, an episode of The Office and really how that plays out in our faith and in the spiritual life and in the spirituality that each one of us um, kind of digs into in our path and in our journey. And that's just so beautiful because you see that, right? You see that in all the saints. You see, you can see The Office in all of the saints. You can find out where St. Francis would have been inside The Office or, or who Tres of Lisieux would have been placed inside The Office because of their their uniqueness, their quirkiness, their annoying habits, maybe that they have just because they're human. Yeah. And so anyways, I am going off on way Aha, too many no, tangents. Good. No, this the is point great. being is yes, yes. I love I love office references. <laughs> have you a, noticed a disturbing amount? <laughs> right. Um, have you noticed that like you can like in watching maybe like the first time through when you watch The Office and you see Michael, you're just like, he's cringeworthy. But then the second time through, you're like, oh, that's really like, that's a person in my life and I can see them and I can see you you kind of start to love that other person in your life that's a little weird, a little icky. And then the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh, that's me. That's just me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm the weird, icky one who, like I, I find when we watch The Office sometimes, mm-hmm. the way that Michael acts in like, a jerkish kind of way that you wouldn't. I'm like, oh, that's me with the kids. <laughs> like that was totally me the other day. And I've only yeah. found that with like Jane Austen, where like you you read it and you're like, oh, I'm Elizabeth Bennet. And then the second time through, you're like, no, I'm Mrs. Jennings or I'm Mrs. You know, like that's the wrong <laughs> book. But then then like you start to see yourself even in the villains. And in the villains, it's like this 
it really brings you to this self-realization of like, oh my gosh, this this vice would have went like unnoticed had it not been like illuminated by these characters. Yeah, used that I be- would have thought were the others, the weird, you know, like socially awkward people. Yeah, that's such an interesting like progression. Yeah, because you start at the yeah. show, you sort of you really identify with Jim and Pam, like we're the self-aware ones, we're kind of above all this awkward, these ridiculous people. But the more you go through it with Jim, because we'll talk about this later, but I love how even with Jim later on in the series, he's beginning to realize. I'm just Michael. Like when he has the opportunity to yeah. lead and how awkward he feels and how difficult yeah. he realizes it is to fill that role that's been dropped on you. I'm just Michael too. You know, we're all these kind of insecure creatures who are, who are desperately trying to mm-hmm. feel at home and, and all that. But there's that. And, and yeah. Jim, Jim takes, Jim takes the, the low road in his mind and yeah. in, in, uh, in reaching out to Toby, yeah. to talking to Toby about his marriage therapy, marital therapy that he right. went through yeah. um, before they got divorced. And so you see, yeah, exactly. Like you, we start off like we always do, right? Like I'm fine. I'm no problem. You're, especially with the office, I'm Jim, I'm Pam, or I'm Oscar, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just, I just know a little yeah. bit more. Than <laughs> Actually. I just like, I thought like, mm, yeah, but you know, I mean, so you're that, or you're just like, you're laid back. It's no problem. I'm fine. Or I'm in a healthy relationship. Exactly. But you see, you evolve and you see those things. I think the people, when you watch the office, the characters that those, those certain characters that initially are cringeworthy to you are probably the ones that you're most mm. alike. Mm. Yeah. Like the ones that you're like, nope. I can't stand white or Andy's an idiot. <laughs> Michael is completely deplorable. Well, more than likely, you know, as, as Oscar would say, actually, actually. <laughs> you probably find yourself aligning, unfortunately, most like sometimes within those characters, because it's so easy for us. It's so easy for us, right. To see faults in other people. And that's, what's so beautiful about the office is that we can stand back and we can watch the faults of others and we can watch the cringeworthy moments and we can watch Scott tots or not. And you can see those moments and you're just like, um, what's happening. And then the, like you said, Trista, like like you get to a place where you're just like it's not so cringeworthy because you begin to slowly, and that's what and that's okay. That's the beauty of comedy. Mm-hmm. What comedy does is it takes the reason why comedy is comedy is that it takes a truth and it makes it it positions itself into a a way that makes it look so absurd that it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's an absurdity of truth, and yeah. that's why the things that are the funniest are some people would say the most true or they they really cut to like the reality of what's really happening but nobody wants to say it in a serious way so we're going to create an atmosphere that makes us feel comfortable to laugh at something even though we all know what we're laughing at is oh my gosh this is really going on and this is true (laughs) and so i think for 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 those who are listening right now and are aren't quite sure what we're talking about because you haven't watched The Office as much, or maybe you haven't given comedy um, a try, you you, you may want to try that because it's something where there's there's a lot of truth in what people 
and what's being revealed in the comedy and the uncomfortable moments yeah. within the office that, I mean, to me, when I watch the office and my, I, I, I watch it so often still to this day, um, my husband will ask me like, why do you like, you've seen everything so many times over. Why do you keep going back? And I'm like, it's always relative. It's something, and then granted, there's like personal things. I'm like, I decompress. I watch something I enjoy. It's funny. I, for me, comedy is a release. I can, you know, I can de-stress that way. But it's always relative to what's happening in our daily life or what's yeah. happening in the church or what's happening in politics or what's happening in the world. I mean, I am so disappointed. I am so disappointed in this upcoming big election year that not enough Office references have been used <laughs> in memes and GIFs or GIFs, whatever you want to call them. Like, wh why? Do you yes. know how many opportunities that have been passed on both sides? I don't care. I, yeah. I don't care about it on both sides. And I'm like, yes. you guys are just wasting social That's media. Real because trend. social yeah. media. Social media was made for an office GIF. Okay, I know. so anyway, <laughs> I've noticed that like when I go try to use the GIF thing, which I'm not very good at social media, but when I go try to use the GIF thing, there's not enough office. Like I put in Michael Scott or something or Pam and Jim, and I'm like, why is nothing coming up? You, you're right. You put in just the office because that's where I get the most. Uh, <laughs> no. If elected, I, I promise to make sure there's more office <laughs> memes available to the public. Yeah, I've had some, I, if I was ever elected to a public office, I have some pretty lame promises but that would be one yeah yeah oh goodness so well, i think you had some more you did you have some well, more fun questions so you wanted to start us out with i want to know this because yeah. this this is always surprises me about people what is your favorite office cold opening like the beginning before the the the, the mm. stuff goes there's so many i don't know yeah. i mean um, I have said, like, I always go back to this conversation. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but like, I have a hard time with people. I'm going to call out father Mike Schmitz right now. <laughs> um, because he and I, he, he, he loves office as well. And so we'll, we'll often have conversations. He's the one who actually sent me a text message at an unreasonable hour in the middle of the night who said, Apple has the office for sale, the entire, the, the whole thing, <laughs> all seasons for like $29.99 right oh now. I was like, <laughs> we could save was, so much money. It was the text message of a lifetime. And yeah. I'm like, that was worth it. That yeah. was worth. That was a good text. That was a good text. That was a good text. I think about that when I text people sometimes. I have a priest friend and I'm always like, I am one bad text away from being blocked. Every single time that I like go to text him, I'm like, is this a text? Is this a text worthy text? Oh, I know. So anyway, but but so in talking about openings, I love um, and this is just one of the ones I love. I don't think I could give it as like my like 100 percent. But I love the um, um, the the Stanley's heart attack. Yes. Dwight, Dwight fire. fire. Yes. The yes, Dwight fire. One. It, it's, it's a classic. Father Mike doesn't like that. I'm just that's the whole reason I'm calling him out. He doesn't like that one. And I, I think that at some point later, we should have him in to discuss his reasons. He has good reasons, but I just don't agree oh, with him. No. However, I also one. love, I also love, um, Staramageddon. Um, I love the parkour one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just so many good ones that mm -hmm. they, that they have, but that, I mean, I have like Staramageddon was one that I just watched a couple nights ago and I was like, this is really good. I like this opening. This is a good one. I can't like I can't even fathom how somebody could not like that fire episode beginning. 
It's such yeah. a great episode too because it it ends up with the the dummy, the CPR dummy in the in the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that was the highlight of that cast was that particular episode, just how well they worked together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so good. And two, Jemrick likes this question. Hmm. So, sorry, you should ask it. I don't remember. Go, go for it. <laughs> Can't you read my mind? Um the where does the office end for you? Ooh, yes. What's the last episode for you? Mm. You mean if I had to choose the end? Well, just like is What do you mean? Okay. You, well, you we you, you well, so I I have I I have a <laughs> I have a strong opinion that the office really ended when Michael Scott left. And then mm. everything after was sort of bonus features, but for me the 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 arc of the of the office as a show ended when Michael left, took off so his earpiece. What are your opinions on this? Yeah, yeah I would disagree. Um, I would disagree because the premise of the office is that nothing works out. And we're all going to be okay. <laughs> nice. So okay. in keeping with, in keeping to its authentic nature, mm. um, nothing works out the way you want it to, but it's all going to be okay. Then Michael needed to leave and we had to go on without Michael. Right. Um, I wish we just could live in a world where we were just watching the show and we did not, I wish there wasn't celebrity culture. Let me just get to the point because if there wasn't celebrity culture, then we wouldn't be aware that Steve Carell is moving on to like different projects. And the reason why they have to cut it off and do things like, that's what I hate that enters into my mind. It's like, yeah. I know why you're leaving yeah. that movie's not worth it, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I guess to get back to the point. I would I would disagree. Only like I didn't like it. I thought I think people gave Will Ferrell such a hard rap with his appearance, and I'm like, do y'all not know Will Ferrell and his comedy? <laughs> he did exactly what you wanted him to do, yeah. which was to hate him and mm -hmm. to not be the right person for the position, mm -hmm. and he yeah. executed it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I still perfectly. can't stand. Yeah. Is it Idris Elba? Charles Minor. Charles He'll Minor. always be Charles yeah. Minor. I can't stand him. I love action movies. They're my favorite genre. I've seen yeah. his movies, but I'm just like, He'll what always you be did Charles to Michael, Minor. man. And like He'll Karen was jerk. so hateable. Yeah, he is. He's a total jerk. Yeah. I agree. He's a total jerk. I think he was more of an annoying character than Will Ferrell with his like yeah. invisible juggling. And I'm like, yeah. these are classic oh, Will Ferrell moment. moments. It was fabulous. And people are like, it was the worst. And I'm like, what? I'm like, y'all. Y'all know it's a show, right? <laughs> like, I feel like we have to constantly be reassuring. Like, I'm a part of, I don't know about you, but I'm a part of some Facebook office fan groups. And it is, not it is into a that dumpster realm. fire. It is a dumpster <laughs> fire of people who will post things in there. And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm wasting them. I'm, I'm definitely wasting valuable time. Like, I like my, like, I like my little rut on my couch watching The Office. I don't think I could enter yeah. into The Office fandom. Baby onesies is maybe like I saw this at I saw this at a store and I bought it, but I don't think I could enter into the fandom. I like my thoughts. Yeah. I like my thoughts um, about my. my I comfort place. I was I had I was I was getting ready to buy tickets to like the Dunder Mifflin, um, office like conference. There's like a big huh. um fandom thing that they've got going on, and I can't remember what it was. And then 2020 hit like right when they were announcing wow. it, and I'm like, no, oh. yeah. See, my I think big getting together with COVID. other people would be fun. Maybe I just don't like social media as much as I ought. Should ought I? Ought I like social media? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's ridiculous. But the point is, where did the office end for me? Um, 
I I enjoyed I enjoyed all of the ends because I feel like there were so many ends to so many different moments and yeah. there was like an end to Pam. You know, right. and then she finally moved away from Roy and she became the Pam that we began to at least it was it was redeemable. Yeah. And there was an end to Jim and his work with Dunder Mifflin. Right. There's all these little ends that obviously the end with Michael was was huge. Um, and I love the the song that they sang from from the from the Broadway musical Rent, you know, oh, the, yeah. at the very end. Like that was amazing because Rent is one of my favorite musicals. But yeah. Um, yeah, all of the all these different little ends were so great. So for me, the end was just actually like all the way because I loved being able to at least see the most redeemable piece, which we saw in the very beginning from like literally episode one of Dwight pining pining yeah. his pining for that office he wanted the office the whole show was about dwight getting into literally michael's office yeah mm -hmm. and he he was there yeah you know? and that was really beautiful to and to see, see so him and me. jim as kind of a but brothers finally again you realize that 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 was kind of always going on a little bit under the surface this this brotherly wrestling uh, for them to finally you know be buddies at the end was really gratifying <laughs> Right. It's, it's there. It's, it's where we all hope to be with those people in our life yeah. Yeah. that rub us constantly the wrong, wrong way. And not just once in a while, you're just like, every time you see them, you, you have your fists and you're just yeah. like, Oh my God, I can't stand anything about you. We hope that we can be, you know, at some point, hopefully before the end of our own lives in a place where we can come to appreciate who they are and to see them outside of the confines of maybe that small space and those few hours and and we go deeper with within those people. Yeah. So I I'd like you to talk a little bit about the click versus clan idea that that GK he's got a big GK Chesterton quote. We named one of our babies after Chesterton. <laughs> it's kind of where <laughs> well, we go with it, every episode. It goes off what you were just saying, Leah, which is you know, we, we do, we tend, especially in this modern culture, we tend to go from show to show to show, person, 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 experience to experience to experience. Um, and the difficulty uh, with that, that uh, sort of temperament of our culture, that, that habit, is that the, the, the best things in life take depth. They have to go deeper. You have to sit with something for a while. You have to wrestle with something for a while. And that, that's no more exemplified than in relationships with people. I mean, there's even in a, in a great relationship, even starting, you know, out in a romantic relationship, there may be a high point, but there's going to then be a low point. There's going to be, okay, now we're just married and we're going to go in through this. You know, you have to push past those difficulties. There's a great quote that I have in front of me, Chesterton on that exact point. But in terms of, of people, you know, one of the things I love about the office is that again, we're presented with this small community um, of people who uh, they're doing boring work and they're kind of bored or disgruntled with the people around them. And the question is like, how do they, what happens over time in that small community? This is one of my favorite quotes from Chesterton. It's from his book, uh, Heretics, uh, from a chapter called Uncertain Modern Writers in the Institution of the Family. I'm just going to read this real quick. He writes, it is not fashionable to say much nowadays of the advantages of the small community. We are told that we must go in for large empires and large ideas there is one advantage, however, in the small state, the city, or the village, or in this case, the office, which only the willfully blind can overlook. The man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger world. He knows much more of the fierce varieties and uncompromising divergences of men. The reason is obvious. In a large community, we can choose our companions. In a small community, our companions are chosen for us. So when, I wanted to start there because 
one of the funny things about The Office, again, with Michael Scott uh, as the, one of the protagonists here, is throughout The Office, people are always uh, cringing when he's referring to The Office as his home. And these are my family. And and Phyllis is like the, the nice motherly figure. And Stanley is like our father, you know. And they, they cringe at that. But there's an interesting truth that emerges throughout the show, which is that um, the, one of the similarities between that office and a family is that you didn't choose those people. So this clique and the clan, Chesterton is pointing out that in cliques, you know, we choose people who are like ourselves. We choose people that are, that are uh, you know, um, that we, that we like, we get along with. They have a sim- similar temperament, a simpler passion, similar interests. And that's good as far as it goes. There's a place for that. There's friendships, there's clubs and all that. But the first fundamental institution that we all arrive in is a family where we didn't pick those people. We didn't pick their temperament. We didn't pick their spirit, their interests, their dislikes, their cringeworthy moments. They're just, they're given to us. They're the given other. And one of the great things about a family is that even though it's really awkward at times, you always have that place where you're loved for being there, for being part of the family, part of the clan. You didn't choose them. You just have to figure out how to get along with them. And there's a, there's a, a, a special kind of love that can only emerge in that kind of scenario where you love people because they're there and they're given to you. And it seems to me that that's one of the things that we all love about the office. We start, we with the office mates start out like, this is really awkward and these people are strange. But then over the course of time, what happens again, as you've pointed out here is that we, we begin, they begin to come become humanized to us. We begin to see their depth and we begin to see ourselves in them. And then suddenly we're, we're, we're loving different kinds of people from ourselves. Uh, there's a quote, Lord, help me to love the people who sin differently than me or something like it. It goes a little bit like that. And that's kind of what happens over the course of, of the office. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's, yeah. it's quite, it's quite biblical Yeah. in terms of what we're called to do. I mean, Jesus calls us out, um, us all out in scripture, you know, when, when he lets us know that, um, that we don't just love the people that are just like us. We don't just mm-hmm. are, we're not supposed to love the people who the ones that we choose to fraternize with, but we love our neighbor. Yeah. Right. And you didn't like, like you said, you didn't choose your neighbor. Yeah. So, um, that's, there's, there's something really obviously profound and beautiful about that and very difficult. And that we all can relate to because we all have that. And often um, it's easy to talk about those people in our life that are so frustrating and difficult. Um, But as you know, Teresa, you said from the very beginning, like hopefully we get to a place where we realize that we're the difficult neighbor for somebody else. I'm the annoying neighbor. I am the annoying, you know, sister. I am the annoying daughter. I'm the annoying wife and the annoying mom at some point or other that other people are practicing charity <laughs> to do with me. So, um, the, you know, it, it offers a lot of opportunity to practice those virtues that we need so desperately in our world um, of humility and forgiveness and mercy and kindness. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, that's absolutely, I mean, obviously it's Chesterton. So, I mean, <laughs> you really can't argue with somebody that brilliant, but um and not that I would, but it's absolutely true that yeah. click versus clan and how, how quick you can see that in the office though. 
Yeah. You can see that immediately. And I love it because when, when Michael talks about that, when Michael mm -hmm. Scott talks about, um, this is my family, you get a sense of like an eye roll from the other office mates, right. but you also, from a viewer, initially you can get the feeling that, man, he's desperate. Yes. He has no friends, but but he does like we're like I remember feeling that same way too. I'm like, oh my gosh, like he is so insecure and he's so desperate, which he he is. Yeah. He he is those things. But the fact that he sees these people as family, that's not necessarily the desperate thing about Michael. Right. And it's why do I not see the same thing in my own life about my own self of people? It's just really interesting how you're like totally. when you start realizing that you're a lot more like Michael Scott than than you want because you know what he does in Scott's tots and you just <laughs> or just can't yeah. fathom right. that you would, you would do that right. So, yeah. anyways, but yeah, I, I love that and it's great. And he wears he wears his desires. I mean, what's interesting for Michael Scott is he's kind of an everyman you know, over the course of, of the series, you know, his, his virtues and his vices, they are right there on the surface. They're not hidden from us. That's why it's so cringy because his, his desperate desire for home, for family, for belonging, for being at peace in his own skin. Most, we all have that, but we're, we're sophisticated enough to hide it deep inside and play it off. He can't do that. It is all out there all the time on the surface. You know, even when he thinks he's alone talking to just the camera, man, it all comes out and it's so awkward, but it's so real. You know, so many of the things he, uh, I mean, there's so many moments, you know, that, that, that has that out there where he's, he's just revealing how desperate he is um, to, to find that. So that's why Holly is such a game changer in the end. You know, Lewis, Lewis describes friendship as finally meeting someone, I mean, sort of reversing the, the theme from earlier, but finally finding someone who is like a, 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 the same soul in another body. You know, Lewis describes friendship as meeting someone and having the experience of, you too? I thought I was the only one. You know, and when Michael finally meets Holly. He you can know. leave the office. Yes. Because he found his home. Yeah, he, he found his home. family. You know, one time um, I had a friend who... Um, she and her husband were missionaries, uh, non-Catholic non missionaries, and she's really drawn to the Catholic Church, really, really. And she was like, why would I leave my church that where everybody has the same evangelical mission, everyone is taking care of each other, and come into the Catholic Church when I see that not everybody cares about Jesus Christ? And it, it made me think that like, so we as Catholics, we, we baptize infants, Right. And we're brought into the Catholic Church as babies. And so within the Catholic Church, you have different differing levels. It's of, a family. It's a family. Yeah. And I think that the, messy. that the office is really helpful because it helps you realize that, yes, we're not all at the same level. We're not all at the same, you know, um, level of social awareness mm -hmm. or of maturity. Um, and <laughs> we have to figure out how to make it work. And in a weird way, like that, that really goes into how I interact with people at my parish, um, it, you know, and in my family and in my neighborhood, um, you know, just remembering that like, yeah, we're not all called to be at the exact same level all the time to be a part of the clique. Yeah. You know, we're all at differing levels and I was at a differing level, you know, and I'm sure I'll look back in 30, 30 years and like, be like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't stay where I was. I was a mess, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 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 It would be fun. I know we can't do it now, but it would be fun to take the office <laughs> with all the characters and like label them um, 
yeah. <laughs> you know, church <laughs> church people, like <laughs> right. all the church leaders. Oh, or- oh someone oh. did that once on Twitter. I have to find it. That is awesome. Oh my gosh, they did. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm I'm off Twitter. Twitter Twitter <laughs> truly is the epitome. It's the original dumpster fire. Yes. And I I a couple years ago I was like I'm out, man. Yeah. I'm out. It was yeah. too much. I like yeah. didn't pay attention to Twitter for two days and I was totally behind and I didn't know what was going on. I was like, I can't do this. I've got kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the different characters do they typify, you know, so many different in their different situations, virtues and vices. And you know, one thing, another aspect of Michael that I really love, and I, we mentioned it earlier is, so he's trying to fulfill this role as uh, a leader and he's not cut out for it. And people don't like him, you know, or they, they really don't have time for him. Um, but he's, he's there and he's called to do it. You know, like it's, it's just what he has to do. He has to get up in the morning and be Michael Scott. Well, the more that I've, be, you know, gotten into family life and my own uh, callings of leadership in different aspects of my life, man, more and more, I just feel like Michael Scott, where that we're, we're all kind of thrust into these roles um, and they're difficult and we, we kind of make the best of them as we can. Um, You're just trying to put on a brave face. And there's something, <laughs> it's interesting, you know, there's something to that, to, to, sometimes you hear him say like, like fake it till you make it sort of a thing. And we have this, 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 uh, this assumption that, you know, like you'll get to a place where it's like fully authentic, but is there ever really a point where you're not having to venture outside of yourself in vulnerability, in kind of a leap of faith when you lead or when you, when you stand up, when you speak, um, I certainly feel that as a father that you have to, you're always having to die to yourself a little bit whenever you get up and initiate something new or I have to give a speech or you, I have to like lead the family Absolutely. in something. Yeah. yeah life, life is death. And yes. the sooner, the sooner we realize <laughs> that, um, you know, the less unhappy you'll be. I'm not saying you'll be happy. You'll just be less unhappy. <laughs> It's a very depressing conversation mm-hmm. if you are looking at it, it, it. If if one believes that this life should be ultimate fulfillment at some point, mm-hmm. but we know as Christians, we know as Catholics that our ultimate fulfillment is not in this life, but it is walking through the physical door of death and yeah. God willing being with Christ forever in heaven. And so, the more that we realize at this point that it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And it is a dying to self. I remember this this definitely could have been a line from the office. I'm sure we all have moments where like this should have been recorded and put into the office. <laughs> I should have written to to the producers while it was filming being like something just happened in my life and it really deserves to be an episode too. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember newly married talking about, you know, dying to yourself, New, newly married. And uh, Ricky and I were living in California. And we had just gotten into some argument, I don't know, over something stupid. It doesn't even matter. Don't, does not even matter what it was, but it was clearly something small. Um, and I felt like I just couldn't take it. So um, I was like, I got to go for a walk. So I go for a walk. Okay. I go for this long walk around this lake in San Diego. And as I'm walking, I'm talking to my aunt, my aunt who is a widow. Okay. So I'm talking to this woman who has suffered the death of her own husband, who was killed in Vietnam, had two kids at the time that my uncle was killed in action. And so she's lived a hard life. She's a faithful, faithful woman and has helped me in my faith in so many times. So I'm talking to her because I needed some help. I'm like, this is really tough. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't, this is just not what I thought. All the things that 
every, well, many newly married people feel, but they don't know where to go with these conversations often. That's a different, that's a different podcast. Anyways, Leah, stay focused. <laughs> so here we are, I'm having this conversation and my aunt Jan tells me the line that nobody wants to hear, that nobody wants to hear is the worst thing she could have said to me in this moment. But it started off with like, well, you know, Leah, life and marriage is a dying to self. It's marriage is a dying to dying unto self. And I just sat there fuming, but I still loved her. And of course, she has a lot of wisdom. So I'm listening and I'm like, I realize she's right. And I was like, no, death will surely happen. Death is going to happen. It's either going to be me or him, but death will happen. Like death is going to happen. And it was just this realizing like it is definitely a dying unto self to get to your point. But yes, I mean, that is that is life. Right. Yeah. And it's that place that you see that difficult moment that you have to struggle through. Yeah. We just recently just came out this week. We had an episode of this show on pride and sloth which are, are two interrelated vices, but they both involve like a fleeing from reality, a fleeing inward, away from reality, toward yourself. And again, life, as you say, life is death. Life is struggle. Life is awkward, heart-wrenching, oh, cringe-inducing moments. And the question is like how we respond to those moments. Because one response is the, res- the response of pride and, and sloth and acedia of giving up. You turn inward, you know, like the world's not cooperating and, and so I'm going to double down on my pride. You know, and we have many moments of that with Michael Scott. You know, like when he's caught doing something wrong, like what's the episode where he's he's having the, that affair oh, with the, Donna. Oh, and, you know, and they challenge him on. He knows he's he feels it. It's on his face. He knows he's doing something really, really slimy, but he doubles down. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go even further. You know, um, we have those moments from him where the the death to self that that is happening right there. His response is to go inward. But the other, the other possibility with the opposite of those two vices is humility. It's a turning outward. And so the death to self that we experience, depending on how we receive them, they either turn us inward and we double down and we get deeper into our own little fantasy worlds, or we pick ourselves back up and they slowly turn us outward more and more. And we, we recognize the resurrection that comes from those little deaths that are part of what life is. There are a few times when the, the office members carry each other's burdens yeah. when they like the so when Pam and Michael leave to create Michael Scott paper company <laughs> and um you know when Pam gets there Michael's like throwing a temper tantrum he's like I can't do this you know like and he's got waffle on his or pancakes whatever on his yeah. you know robe or whatever he's not dressed and Pam like let's make a list <laughs> and and then at the end of the episode Pam's like what did I do I sat next to my fiance and I quit my job and I blah 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 yeah. and then Michael puts on his adult hat and like pulls her up out of it and I'm not gonna lie those were real teaching moments yeah. for me <laughs> like those were real adult moments for me where I was like that's the right thing to do in that situation mm-hmm. you know the right yeah. thing to do is to be that to shoulder that person's burden like St. Paul tells us yeah. to shoulder that person's burden and be there and walk through it together and you know even if you're scared you need to be the big one and that happens so much in parenting yeah you know or like the um the there's a bed of murder there's been a murder and like mike is michael is doing the the game and jim is like trying to just continue steering the ship but they both have a role Jim really recognizes in Michael, yeah, like there's, there's a complementarity there. You know, you have this weird moment. He realizes that, oh, there is, there is different roles to play here. One is entertaining the kids while the, while the other one rows the, the rowboat and keeps us from drowning. Yeah, and there's so many relationships like that in the office yeah. that show us 
exactly that. You know, Oscar and Angela is one of my favorite yeah. relationships. Yeah. Kelly and Ryan, amazing <laughs> example of relationships. Yeah. Um, and the humanity and the honesty within that, the honesty in, in vice for mm -hmm. sure. But of what you see of what happens, yeah. um, you know, obviously Jim and Pam and their marriage as it as it hits the rocks and things yeah. start to kind of unravel for them. But there are those relationships. And even in um, the relationship that Michael has in this triangle of Jan and then just really Dunder Mifflin, especially yeah. when he goes to testify on behalf of Jan when she sues the company. Yeah. Um, and at the end, he makes the honorable decision and not just doing what Jan wants him to do, but he tells the truth. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really get him too far beyond that, outside of the fact that you saw character in Michael that you hoped was always there, yeah. you yeah. know? And, and doesn't life offer us so many opportunities where we can really test our character and be the people that we profess to be? Will we be honest? Will we say the right thing when it's, when it's uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, will we own up to the mistake and then attempt to fix it somehow? Will we reach out when someone's having a really freak out moment, knowing that, hey, we've been there, too, and I'm not going to judge you. But, hey, let's let's just let's just do this together. Let's make a list or let's mm -hmm. whatever we need to do. But those are the teaching moments. That's humanity. And the office showcases humanity, I, I think, in some really uncomfortable ways yeah. that are. um that we all can relate to if we choose to go there. Yeah, you know, you, you were pointing this out at the beginning when you were talking about comedy. Um, comedy is a form of art. And my, one of my, mm. my favorite and simplest definition of art is art reveals. You know, and that's why art's not simply beautiful because some of the beautiful, some great art is not beautiful. The Passion of the Christ is not a beautiful movie in many respects. It's a very ugly, you know, uncomfortable movie but it's a great work of art because it reveals and so mm -hmm. so too comedy has this great uh, ability to reveal and again uh, the office may not be for everyone but we love it because it does it reveals so much about virtue and vice and about different personalities and about just the, the human condition that we all that we all live under yeah leo yeah, love this that this has been absolutely wonderful having you. And I know we need to cut our time short. And we didn't even get to, um, what's the boss man in? Oh, David Wallace. David, well, we didn't even get to David Wallace. He's like yeah. one of my favorite characters. David Wallace, we haven't even gotten to Robert <laughs> California. Oh, man. <laughs> the lizard king. I was listening to Staring someone to talk the about void. the psychology yeah. of Epstein. And I was like, it's Robert California. <laughs> I know. Again, again, why? Like, there's got to be some type of block that people don't use enough off of get office no. gifts yeah. to reflect the real world. I'm like, right. we would have a more peaceful world if everyone watched The Office thirty well, times did, over yeah. and over again. They did that more than maybe some other things that they're doing, but that's just personal opinion. <laughs> that's why I, you know, that's what I'm doing. Um, how did you get through COVID? The office. I mean, like no that's, when the world is falling yeah. apart. Right, yeah. right. Something like that. I am. I, I say this joke, although I hope it's not true. But I am. There, are, there, there is a part of me that is very aware that there could be a conversation that I have with Jesus that He says, "You know more Michael Scott quotes than mine," and I'd be like. I feel like that's I feel like that's like a, a piece yeah. of reference that God's like, it's not bad that you like that. 
I just need you to spend your time other places too. So <laughs> I think that's that that's fair to say Valid for people maybe like yes. me who watch it possibly too much. I think yeah. that's a fair analysis of, of something that I, I, I need to work on. But <laughs> however, there's a lot of good stuff in the office that yeah. we haven't been able to cover. We should probably do a part two because there's just, there's some really, really beautiful things that are going on. I wanted to say something too about what you just said about art and how it reveals. I mean, that's, Again, why why we share this love of the office because it does reveal these these greater truths, these 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 deeper moments of humanity that it's hard to go there, but it's a little bit easier when you've got comedy to kind of sail you in, yeah. you know. And then you know the episode ends after twenty eight minutes and you're okay. Yeah. So, but I think too, what's so beautiful about that is that all the transcendentals. That's exactly what they do. They reveal. Um, what's true, good, and beautiful, if it truly is true, good, and, and beautiful, it will reveal. reveal. Mm -hmm. So um, it, even beauty, I, I, it's one of my favorite topics, if you know anything about me. And so when in my studies of beauty and then in the book that I wrote ab about it, uh, one of the definitions is that beauty reveals the glory of God. Mm. It reveals, so when something's beautiful, it reveals the glory of God so that beauty is not the enemy, right? And, um, but it's truly this attribute of God. And so all these different things that we're talking about, how art reveals and humor, you know, and comedy is this form of art and it can reveal something about our humanity that is, gives a glory to God of our willingness to, to see us in our, in our tough moments and still say, I've been wonderfully made yeah. because I've been made by him. And it's just, I think that's really beautiful. When you talked about the crucifixion, I mean, the crucifixion, movies, paintings, um, whatever they may be that depict the crucifixion, we can truly say based on that definition uh, that the crucifixion was the most beautiful moment in history yeah. because it revealed truly the glory of God who gave his son for us who then would raise his son for us. I mean, that that's just, that's the beauty of art. And this is one aspect of art that we've been chatting about and talking about, but I love it so much because there truly is beauty behind it all. Yeah. And it's all around us. I mean, that's, that's what the theme of our show here, elevate ordinary, you know, we're talking about the office today, but you know, all aspects of our lives, if we scratch the surface, you know, the life is the greatest work of art because it's got the divine artist. And so, but sometimes we do need these, these works of art to, to give us a primer. We, we exit the, the real world for a moment and, and get a glimpse of, of the glory of God or the, the reality of our human nature or the reality of death and resurrection, all that kind of stuff. So we can come back to reality and see it a bit more clear. Amen. So, Amen. Yeah. I love it. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, well, thank you so much, Leah. Uh, can you tell everybody where to find you real quick yeah, if they don't already yeah, yeah. know how to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to follow me in, in, in random antics, then you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Leah.Darrow. Um, you can find me there. My website's LeahDarrow.com. And hey, if you're a Catholic lady and you want to pray and hang out with some women and have a Catholic social media place where you can go and not feel really um, icky or cringeworthy yeah. because of what you've been scrolling on all those other different levels, then you can go and meet us inside the Lux Catholic app. We're launching that at the end of this month of October. So it'll be ready and we, we welcome you. You're welcome here.
Awesome. Well, thank you again, Leah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. This has been so fun. Yeah. So it's so, it's so, so, so great. I love, again, I love this topic. I love our faith. I love the office. It's so awesome that you can easily see the connection between where this is and where it leads and what yeah. it can offer people. And, you know, you just need a little bit of a de-stressor, but it gives you something to really think about afterward. Yeah, and this is a call out to Father Mike Schmitz. I need to understand why you don't like that cold opening. Come, of the come fire. and defend yourself, Father. We're, you <laughs> in know, our, time, in our we're part ready. two yeah. episode, Father Mike, you, need, you you definitely need to come on the <laughs> podcast now, and you need to discuss it. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know if that was a private conversation. I shouldn't have, have let well, it's out now. I did. I mean, so I guess we haven't aired it yet. So <laughs> I, I pulled a total Michael Scott. So, um, he can go and redeem himself on his yeah, own. I'm sure, right. I'm sure he will. That's right. Wonderful. Lead us out, babe. Sure thing. Well, once again, thank you for joining us for this episode. I want to remind you again that if you go to awakencatholic.org slash donate, you can join the Awaken Nation, a group of people just like yourself who are enthusiastic about sharing truth through beauty. They support this work. They support this show and all the great shows here on Awaken Catholic. But you can also go to hallow.app slash awaken to download the Hallow app. Uh, It's a great Christian meditation app. It's a really, really great accompaniment with your morning cup of coffee or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great app. Check it out. With your you, bacon, your with grilled your bacon, bacon. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about the grilled bacon episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So check that out. And once again, thank you for joining us for Elevate Ordinary. We'll see you next time. God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hallow.app slash awaken.